Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Turn to the book of James, chapter 2. Praise the Lord. Studying, acting on faith. Last week we kind of took a little departure. Looked at hearing from God. Let me get over there, James chapter 2. Here we go. Because you're going to have to hear from the Lord in order to act on faith, act in faith. Now, When we say that or when we speak of acting on the Word of God, being obedient to your faith, we see three times in this portion of Scripture, faith without works is dead. Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Uh, And as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith also without works is dead. says it three different times. Now, there is that in the Word of God which you know to do. Now, if you know to do something... You don't need God to tell you to do it. Uh, We we were just took the offering, so speaking of prosperity, a lot of people say, I'm just waiting on God to tell me how to prosper. He's already told you. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean God will not speak to you specifically at particular times and and, and supernaturally tell you to give. It happened to me uh, two weeks ago. Uh, We were in a meeting up in Tulsa. Supernaturally, Pastor Sam Carr had a word of knowledge about Eight different missionary couples had come to a missions conference with not even enough money to get home. They had spent every dime that they had to get to that conference, and didn't I think they didn't have didn't even have a ticket home. I think was also another didn't even have didn't have, didn't even have a way to get back to the country where God had called them. Well, He called them up and began to minister to them, prayed over them, and so we took an offering. And then the Lord, uh, uh, the Lord spoke to me, so I, I got his attention, went up there and said, now the Lord gave me a number. The Lord spoke into my spirit a specific number. I said, now the Lord gave me a number, and Pastor Sam looked at me and said, uh, yeah, me too. And I said, that's $10,000. Each one of these missionaries need at least $10,000. He said, that's the number right there. Amen. So right when I said that, the Lord spoke to me and said, now you give each one $1,000. That's $8,000. So I gave each one $8,000, and we'd already given $1,000 in the regular offering. Now, you say, how, how, does that ha- how does that happen? How can God speak to you, and you immediately respond in such a way that you don't even think about the impact of that, you just automatically obey God? Let me tell you why. Because for 30 years, I've been obeying what the Word says, to tithe and offer, to tithe and offer. To tithe and offer. And if you obey what the Word says in that area, then when it comes time for God to speak to you specifically because He's fixing to bless your life, you'll be able to hear from God. But if you can't hear from this written Word, now let me say it again. If you cannot hear from this written Word, you will never hear in your spirit. Not many amens on that one, is there? You say, now why is that? Because the Word of God will will never speak. Unless it speaks in line with the word. How, you, how will you know it's God? Any old spirit could speak to you and tell you to do any old stupid thing. But if it's God, it's got to line up with what he's doing, what he's saying, and the way the spirit of God is flowing at the moment. That's also true of healing. That's also true of deliverance. 
That's also true of joy or peace or whatever you believe in God for. If you will just obey what you know to obey in the written word of God, that prepares you to hear from God so that when God speaks to you, you will not, you will not hesitate. You will immediately obey. A lot of people, you don't realize that God's trying to train you. Amen. God's trying to train you. Where you spontaneously react without thought. Let me say that again. Where you spontaneously react without thought. We, we, Lee and I have raised Labrador retrievers uh, for 28 years that we've been married. We've always had a lab. Now, when you get a lab pup, what you do is you, 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 you look for a good bloodline. You look for an intelligent dog. There's certain things you can do when you, when you go to a, uh, to a litter to pick out a puppy. There's certain things you can, to, 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 you can recognize in that pup that shows you that dog is a, a thinking dog, a dog that will respond to your training, a dog that will uh, uh, grow as you teach it. And, and, and then you get it, but you just get it in basically seed form is a, is a good way to say it. You just, get, you, just get, you just get the dog. Now, if you just put that dog in a kennel somewhere, and you expect that dog to do something someday, you're, you're wrong. It's not going to happen. But you've got to make a decision. I read a book years ago about training labs, and it said this. You've got to be willing to give one year, every day of a solid year, to the training of that dog. And if you will give one day, every year, one, one, one day, uh, one day, how did I say it? One year, every day of an entire year, then you will condition that dog to where no matter what happens, they will always obey and, you will be, and you'll have a trained dog the whole time that dog's alive. Now, we've proved it with three different dogs. Now, our current dog, when we got Cookie, uh, we began its training program immediately because they live with us. We had to train her how to live in the house. I had to train her how to, how to uh, uh, not to sit here, but to sit there, not to do this, but to do that. Then I began her formal training when it came uh, to hunting. Now, here's what's unique. Uh, I don't have to retrain her every year. Amen. I don't have to do that. I mean, literally, I can't even, I can't, I cannot even, even, even do any type of training whatsoever and pick up a gun and head out the door. And all of that repetitious training that she was involved in for that one year comes back to life just like that. She knows right where to go, right where to sit, right what to do. And that whole repertoire of training that we did for a year, it all comes back. Now, see, God kind of wants to train you like a lab. But it takes some time. You say, what's he trying to train me to do? He's trying to train you to obey him. Amen. Because if he can get you to obey him, then he can bring you into the destiny of the life that he has called you to walk in and to live in. But if he can't train you, if he can't train you, and see, that's a lot of people's problem is, is the only reason they serve God is because they think they have an out if they give into a, get into a problem. I think, well, I'm going to serve God, but, but, but you know, I, I, I'm really, I'm just going to go do my own thing, and, and I'll come to church, you know, on Sundays or Wednesday nights, and, 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 but, I'm, you know, I've got my own job, and I've got my own life, and I've got my own this, and I've got my own that, and so what I'm just going to do is, is I'm going to hang around there, and I'm going to listen to the Word, and I'll pray, and, I'll, and I won't live unrighteous, but, you know, in reality, uh, you know, God's will, God's plan, all of that kind of stuff, well, that's so foreign to me, I, you know, I just can't even, I, I can't even think about it, because, see, I've got this, I've got my own life out here. But you don't understand. You don't realize. God can take you right where you are. Right where you are if you're willing. And totally, totally radically transform and train your life. Uh, uh, transform and change your life. And train you in obedience so that you can fulfill your calling and destiny on the earth. 
Because this is something you're going to have to understand. Some of you struggle so much with faith. It is so hard for you to get a prayer answered. It's so hard for you to hear from God. It's so hard for you to see a breakthrough in your finances. And then you struggle with fear and you struggle with doubt. The reason is, is because the only arena in which faith operates in is the arena of the will of God for your life. Now, a lot of people don't like to hear that because they got their own idea, their own will. But if you make a decision, hey, I don't care what the world says, the flesh says, my, the devil says, I'm going to find out what that is, and I'm going to live in the arena of the will of God for my life. Your faith will work just like that. I mean, it'll work just like that. You won't have no problem with finances. You won't have no, I mean, sickness tries to attack your body. You'll run it off. Your marriage will be blessed. Your, your mind will be blessed. Your children will be blessed. The Bible says this, all you put your hand to will prosper. Amen. So here we have in James, we looked at it again. This is the third week we've been dealing with, but I think it's good that we, we dig into it like this because this is the area where the enemy will trip you up more than any other area. It's hard for him to trip you up when it comes to obtaining faith. Obtaining faith is simple. It comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. All you got to do is get into the Word. Read the Word. Study the Word. Meditate on the Word. Have the Word taught to you and preached to you and faith will come. Then the primary way in which you release it is confession. You start speaking the Word. Speaking the Word. Speaking the Word. Speaking the Word. Now, it's really hard for the enemy to oppose you in those two areas. Now, he'll try to steal the word out of your heart. He'll try to get you to deny the word with, your, with words of doubt and words of unbelief. But with just a little, bit of, a little bit of effort, you can get faith and you can speak faith. I said with just a little bit of effort, you can get faith and speak faith. But when it comes to acting on it, that's a whole different ballgame. That's where the enemy will try and confuse you. That's where he will try to discourage you. That's where he, where he will try to get you to act in other areas like we talked about, assumption or presumption, acting on the testimonies of others, doing things, just trying to see if it's going to work. But if you'll make a decision, I'm going to hear the word, I'm going to speak the word, through hearing the word and speaking the word, God is getting you into position to obey the word. Now James addresses this. Obviously James had a lot of spiritual people that were just kind of sitting around doing nothing. And wondering when the next big preacher was going to come to town and get them a miracle. But you know, that, that comes to an end. That'll work for a while. That'll work for a few years in your life as you grow in the Lord. But I tell you what, it'll come to an end because God expects you to get it on your own faith and keep it. Amen. Amen. You know, I just, 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 just a little, we've told this testimony several times, but it very, it, it bears repeating because of the impact that it had on us in witnessing it. Two different miracles are healings by the gifts of healing that we, we witnessed, both of them in Lloyd and Cheryl Lane's church, Miracle Christian Center in Buffalo, Texas. Uh, one of them took place in the early 90s, the other in the late 90s. Uh, one of them was just an outstanding miracle. woman born with, with uh, uh, cerebral palsy, never walked a day in her life. Totally healed. Took, had, a, had a brace that went from her shoulders to her waist. Then she had the, the, the leg braces on. Had the arm things that she wore. All of that off. All of that. Walking around. Praising God. Worshiping God. Magnifying a great miracle. How many agree with that? Well, within six months, she's back in all the braces. Within six months, she lost everything that, that, that God gave her. How did she lose it? 
She got around the wrong people. She went and go, quit going to church. Quit feeding her faith. Did not resist the devil when he tried to come back against her. Her, her. Actually, it was her parents that told her, that man just tricked your mind. Now, let me tell you, if I can trick your mind and get you out of a body cast, then I've got, then I've got a pretty good deal going. Amen? No, I didn't trick her mind. The Spirit of God. Then the second healing, which took place probably about five to seven years later, of a young man that fell in a, in a stock pen of an auction house, and a bunch of cattle stomped, literally broke all of his ribs loose from his backbone on his right side, just broke every rib loose. And so they put him in a body cast. When he healed, he healed deformed and twisted to the, uh, to the right like that. And as he came up to the altar on a, on a New Year's Eve service, Lee and I standing there waiting for him to get there, his, just in slow motion, his crutches fell. He hit the ground, stood upright, stood up straight. Now, he, I, we, I saw him uh, uh, last time we went to Grosbeck. He was in the meetings at Grosbeck. Last, so that's 2014, give or take another three or four. So that's probably 17 years later. He still has his healing. You say, why? Because he continued to act on the Word of God. He continued to stay in church. He continued to work with the ministry there. He continued to lead his family in the things of God. He continued to study the Word of God himself. He continued to be a soul winner. They say he's one of the greatest soul winners in the earth. He tells them the testimony of how God healed him when he was a cripple. He goes all over the place telling people how God had healed. See, he stayed connected with the things of God. If you don't stay connected with the things of God, the enemy will come and steal everything that God tries to give you. So you're going to have to learn to hear, speak, and act on the Word of God. Now, let's get, let's get we've, read, we've, read, we've read these scriptures before. Let's read them again tonight. First, first uh, let me get here. Verse 14, James chapter 2. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? My brother or sister be naked, destitute of daily food. One of you say unto them, depart. Be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, I will show thee my faith by my works. One translation says this, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my obedience. You say, what's the difference? One person is doing something, trying to get God to recognize them because of what they're doing. The other guy is doing something because God has already recognized them and poured out a blessing that they're obtaining by faith. You understand that? One of them saying, God, look at me. God, look at me. God, look at me. God, look at what I'm doing. God, look at what I'm doing. The other one's saying, God, look at your word. 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 I'm doing this because of what your word says. You see the difference? So, here we have faith without works is dead, but if faith without works is dead, faith with works is alive or living. Everybody say alive. alive. Say living. living. Now notice this. It says, Yea, a man, a man may say thou hast faith, I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, I will show thee by faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou now, now, now it adds to the, to the phrase, Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Now, let me just say this. You may not like this, but it's true. All religion is vanity. It's an, it's an outward put on. Amen. There's people that's got more faith in, in, in a crucifix and beads and in a building and in a steeple and in a bell and in a candle and in somebody with a robe on. Are you with me? 
or in an organization than they do in God. They've got more faith in that than they do in God. So we'll look at that building. That's got to be God. We'll look at this. We'll look at that. Well, that's, you can't get any. Faith doesn't come by a building. Faith doesn't come by a bell or, 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 a, or a candle that you light. No, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So vanity is what? It's an outward put on. Don't, don't ever let your faith be vanity. You say, well, it won't work. That's what it is, just to put on. Then it says this, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. Now, go to Genesis 22. We've got about 15 minutes. Genesis 22. Let's look at Abraham just a moment. Genesis 22 is a powerful, what we would call, redemptive chapter. Everybody say redemptive. Now you say, what do you mean redemptive? Well, one minister said it like this. He said, the Word of God is like climbing a mountain. He said, you climb up a mountain on the north side, you get the north view of the mountain. You climb up a mountain on the south side, you get the south view of the mountain. Climb on the east side or the west side, you get that view of a mountain. Well, whatever subject you're studying, the Word of God will show you a different view. Now, if we were studying redemption, but we're not. We're studying the acts of faith. But if we were studying redemption, we would see a man in blood covenant with God who eventually God would do what? Give his only begotten son. So he needed a man on earth in relationship and covenant with him who would be willing to do the same thing. Didn't have to do it, just had to be willing to do it. Had to act on the covenant. I said he had to act on the covenant. If he could find one man that would act on the covenant, then he could release Jesus to come to the earth and be our Lord and Savior. Now, we're not studying that, though. We're studying the act of faith. So now let's look at the act of faith side of the mountain. It says here in verse 1, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, I don't like the word tempt. I like the word prove. Everybody say prove. Other translations say prove, prove Abraham. Now, when you, when you came to church tonight, how many drove a car when you came to church? You drove a car. When you came to church in your car, you were not trying that car out. Amen. Now, if you would have gone down to the car lot and said, look, I'm going I'm to take this new car over here and I'm going to go to church in it and I'll bring, bring it back to you after church. I want to try it out. Then you'd be trying it out. Now, if you liked the car, you'd buy it. If you didn't like the car, you wouldn't buy it. Right? But now, you that have your car, own your car, you got in your car and you proved it. I mean, unless you're driving some junker, you know, you didn't worry about not making it. I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if we can get there. I'm going to give it a try. We may make it two blocks. I don't know. I'm going to go as far as we can go. Uh, hopefully you didn't have to do that. Hopefully you got in your car without a care, without a thought, started up, drove straight to church, didn't even think twice. See, you proved it. You proved your car. God wants to prove your faith. It's not a temptation that God brings into your life. It's God gets you out of the temptation with the Word of God and faith so that you can overcome anything the world, the flesh, and the devil tries to bring against you. You say, well, God must have put that, put that, uh, that trial in my life to tempt me. No, He knows trials are coming. He must have put that trouble in my life, life to tempt me. No, He knows trouble's coming. He puts faith in you to prove you because He knows it works. So He what? He proved Abraham. He knew it'd work. He said, Abraham, Abraham, said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, 
and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountain which I shall tell thee of. Now notice verse 3 very carefully, the first few words. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. Now, first of all, this is where a lot of people miss it. Right here, right. We're in Texas, so we can use this phrase. The first jump out of the chute. It's an old rodeo term. Amen. You say, what do you mean? Immediately, when God speaks to you, you begin to argue with God. Amen. Now, Abraham didn't do that. What did God tell him to do? I mean, he would have probably done anything but that. That's the, that's the son of my faith. I believe God 20 years. They say Isaac was approximately 17 years old at this time. I believe God 25 years for Isaac to get, to get on the ground. And here you're asking me to take him up on a mountain and to offer him up for all. Well, you're not into human sacrifice, God. Amen. You're not into taking away what you've given. Well, I'll give you all my money. I'll give you all my sheep. I'll give you all my land. I'll give you anything, but I'm not going to give you Isaac. I'll believe you my whole life for Isaac. Didn't even say a word. Didn't say one word. The Bible said the next morning he got up, started getting ready to go. Whenever God speaks to you, you cannot argue with God because when you argue with God, you will argue yourself out of obedience. You will do it every time. I guarantee you, you'll do it every, I mean, you can make a decision. You know, I, I'm going to do it, Pastor. I'm going to start tithing. You say that on Monday morning. And then all week long, you have an argument with God. Well, you know, it's really under the law. So you get on the internet and you find all the preachers that talk about it being under the law. Come on, church. And you read all of that. And you think, well, you know, that's, God's really not speaking to me. And, and then you get all the people that all, say all the other, all the, and the next thing you know, you've talked yourself out of obedience. And then you come sit in church and we take tithe and offering and then here comes condemnation. The devil, see the devil gets on one side and says don't do it, 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 don't obey God, don't obey God, don't obey God. And then you don't do it, you don't obey God. Then he jumps over on the other shoulder and says you've done it now, you've disobeyed God, you've disobeyed God, you've disobeyed God, you've disobeyed God. How many have ever noticed that's exactly how he does it? No, Abraham did what? He responded immediately to the voice of God. When God says do it, don't question God, don't question him. If he says, do it, do it. Just do it. Everybody say, just do it. Who is that, Nike? Just do it. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, claved the wood for a burnt offering, rose up and went to the place which God had told him. Obedience. Everybody say, obedience. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, saw the place afar off. Abraham said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now here's the second time. Remember I say second time. Now this is what I call opportunity for public panic. He's been traveling with these guys three days. He hadn't said a word to anybody. He hadn't said anything that, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Isaac up the hill. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to kill him. God told me to take him up there and kill him. Y'all need to pray for me. Oh, woe is me. This burden that I'm carrying of what God has told me to do. Help me, help me. Somebody lay hands on me. Pray. Surely I haven't heard from God. Does somebody have a word? Does somebody have a prophecy, a tongue, an interpretation of tongue? Is there some tape series or cassette series I can get? Is there some teaching on the internet I can get that will help talk me out of this? Is there any way I can get out of this? He never said a word. But this is what he did say. 
I and the lad will go yonder and worship, listen to it, and come again to you. The Bible says over in the New Testament that Abraham had believed God already that if Isaac was turned into ashes, God would raise him from the dead and turn him back into his son. That's what faith will do, see. Faith does not discount the ability of God. So he said this. Now listen to the terminology. I and the lad will go yonder and what? Could an act of obedience to God be true worship? I said, could an act of obedience to God be true worship? Absolutely, that was, that's what it is. I mean, when you're going and doing what God's telling you to do, and you know, God has talked to me, He has told me, that is what I'm going to do. And the devil says, you're crazy, you're crazy. You say, devil, shut up, I am worshiping God. This is my worship to God. This is how I worship God. Which He will fight you in every way. You say, why? Because He used to be the worshiper. And he's not the worshiper anymore. You're the worshiper now. So he didn't take opportunity to publicly panic. Sometimes, now sometimes, sometimes one of the worst things you can do is to get in this prayer line after God has spoken to you to do something. You say, what? Let me tell you, I'm trying to help your faith. I'm trying to help this thing work for you. There would be times when I sat in church services and I thought, Lord, let them call me out. Lord, let them do this. Let them do that. I need to be in that prayer line. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you get in that prayer line you'll deny everything that I'm telling you to do. He said, what do you mean? When God speaks to you and you know it's God in your spirit and in your heart, you don't need my prayer. You don't need Pastor Leah's prayer. You don't need the evangelist's prayer. You don't need the television preacher's You need to just go obey God. And many times your act of getting prayer or getting counsel or getting this is an act of doubt and unbelief will just open the door to get you to disobey God. You'll talk yourself out of it. I know it sounds hard, but I'm trying to get you blessed. Abraham took the wood, verse 6, and the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand, the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father. And he said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? So we've had, we've had arguing God out of it, public panic. Now this is private panic. This is when you roll over to your wife at night and say, Honey, you ain't going to believe what God told me to do. And I don't know if it's God or not. You know, I, what I do when God speaks to me, I never tell her. I always say, Lord, you tell her. She's your daughter. You talk to her. That's exactly what I do, and he does. And I can always tell when God's spoken to me because all I got to do is listen to her words. And as she begins to talk for a few moments, I'll say, yeah, God's already talked to her, so I'll just start talking. She says, well, that's it, and we'll just get in agreement, and our faith will work just like that. He said, now, come on, it's not that easy. Yes, it is that easy. You just got to obey God. You just have to obey God. But see, there comes those times for private panic. You know, we, oh, you don't know what God has said. You don't know what God has told me. You know, when we were believing God uh, to begin Island Church, when I first began to pray, I would say nothing to her. But the first time I ever mentioned it to her, she was like, yeah, yeah, that's God. That's the Lord. She didn't argue. She didn't say anything. God had already spoken to her. So you've got to understand that the enemy will afford you 
an opportunity to argue with God, an opportunity for public panic, an opportunity for private panic. But if you've heard, you've heard. Let me say it again. If you've heard, you've heard. You hang on to what you've heard with every bit of your being. You hang on to what you've heard with every ounce of your faith. You confess it. You speak. You act on it. You worship God. You praise Him. You feed your faith. You starve your doubts. And you continue in what God's told you to do. And I guarantee you, God will vindicate your faith. He is a God of His Word. He cannot lie. He will not lie. His Word is true. And if you'll just stay with it and stick with it, you'll see your miracle happen. So they came to the place. Everybody say the place. Obedience will always bring you to the place. Came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Notice, immediately. Let me read the next verse. He said, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Now, because Abraham was sensitive to the voice of his father, or of God, he was able to change the procedure when God said change the procedure. You say, what do you mean? God will change your procedure on you. He'll get you going in one direction just to get you to a turn up here in the road and say, now go this direction. But if he don't get you going in that direction, how can he ever get you that turn in the road? See, he may get you, go, he may get you going this direction where you say, you know, God spoke to me about being a missionary somewhere. Yeah, right, yeah, right. You know. But, you know, here you, you start coming to Island Church and you start doing this and that. And, and next thing you know, you're working with the youth. You're doing something. You end up on a little mission trip somewhere and all of a sudden God gets you to that place and then he just touches your heart, turns you in that direction. You come home, sell everything you have, go on the mission field. So, oh, my God. You think God may do that? Well, I hope he does. Especially if that's your destiny in life. I heard a preacher say one time, there's only two kind of people that go to missions conference. Number one, those that stay away because they're afraid God will call them to Africa and those that won't stay away because they're afraid that He won't. Amen. So here's Abraham. He takes the wood. He lays it on the altar. Now, here's the thing that's unique. Isaac is letting him do this. You say, now what do you mean Isaac is letting If you have a history of obedience in your life, those that are around you will follow you anywhere. Your wife will follow you. Your kids will follow you. There are others that will follow you. You say, why? Because you've got a history of obedience. Your history of obedience testifies to your integrity when it comes to the Word of God and obeying it because you got the results. Amen? You say, what do you mean I've got the results? That means you've obeyed God, God has shown up. You've obeyed God, God has shown up. You've obeyed God, God has shown up. Isaac had seen this in his father's life as his father walked around and told him, hey, they used to call me Abram. Back 25 years before you were born, we couldn't have children. We tried and tried and tried. But then God showed up and called me. 
I was in error of the counties. He called me away from my home, away from my family. My nephew Lot came with me, and I told him, take whatever you want. He's living down there in Sodom and Gomorrah. Like they got him killed. Did get his wife killed. Made your cousins rotten. They'll be your enemies your whole life. I made mistakes, tried to do it my way. That's why you got a half-brother named Ishmael. He's going to cause you trouble your whole life. But I kept obeying God. Even when I made mistakes, I kept obeying God. Kept obe That's why we have all this gold. That's why I have all this silver. That's why we have all this land. That's why we have all this cattle, all this sheep. That's why our descendants, see all those stars up there? Our descendants shall be as the stars of the sky, innumerable. See all this sand in this desert? That's where our descendants will be as this grains of this sand, unable to be numbered. Not only that, we're separated from God through the sin of our great, 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 great grandfather, Adam. And God is going to raise up a redeemer through our family. Through our family. Through our seed, a redeemer is coming. They'll come, out of us will come a family. Out of our family will come a nation. Out of our nation will come a king. And out of our king will come a king of kings. See, he knew all of that. Abraham knew all of He said, now come on, Abraham did. Yes, he did. The Bible says in Galatians, God preached the gospel unto Abraham. He had to give him the information or how could he ever take Isaac up the hill? So Isaac is being reminded. Isaac's saying, all right, Dad, if this is part of it, we'll just go through with it. We'll just go. And he's looking at him and says, son, if i got to burn you to a crisp, have faith in God. God will raise you up. You won't lose your life. You'll gain it. Mm -mm. Notice this. The angel said, lay not thy hand on the lad, neither do thou... Anything unto him, for now I know thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. The redemptive side. Verse 13, we'll close with this. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold him a ram. Everybody say a ram. Caught in a thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it unto him, offered him for a burnt offering in the seed of his son. Abraham called the place of that Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now, what was Abraham's confession? God shall provide himself a land. Prophetic, speaking of Jesus, but also relevant to the current situation that was going on. Now, here, here's the deal. you got to understand this. A ram just did not materialize. God doesn't do it that way. It wasn't like, a, you know, on Star Trek when they beam somebody all the dots and then all of a sudden there's a ram. No, here's a ram out in this wilderness. Now think of all the things that could destroy that ram. Drought, predators, disease, uh, uh, you name it. But not that ram. You say, why not that ram? That ram was destined to be provision for God's man. Let me say that again. That ram was destined. I mean, if the wolves came, God said, get the wolves away. If there was drought, God said, bring some water over here. If there was, if there was famine, he said, there's food over here for that ram. Whatever it was, God kept that ram alive. And when Abraham started moving toward that mountain, that ram started moving toward that mountain. And when Abraham started up one side of that mountain, that ram started up the other side. And when Abraham lifted up that knife, that ram got caught in the thicket. But when he obeyed God, God opened his eyes to the provision that God had supplied for him. It's when you obey God, it's when you act on your faith that God will open your eyes, and that is where the provision is. Right there it is, right there. Abraham, I've raised this ram for you so you can offer him up on this. So now the covenant is complete. Let's get started on redemption. Same thing happened to David when David slew Goliath. There was that 
sword and Goliath's sheath. David was not equipped with that when he went on that field. He had a sling and a stone, and that was it, a staff. That's all he had. And he wasn't going to finish the job unless he had a tool to do it. Blacksmiths in, in, in the land of the Philistines were renowned for their ability to work with metal. And in that giant's scalbert was the perfect implement for cutting off giants' heads. And when David obeyed God and slew that giant, he walked onto that field of confrontation, and right there was the provision of God. And he took that sword out, and the weapon that was formed against him became the weapon in his hand. Jesus died, the Bible said, for the joy that was set before him, knowing that one day you would get born again. You're the result of his faith. I said, you're the result. You're his reward. You're his increase. You're his blessing. He was the seed. You are the fruit. And when you realize that, then you realize this thing cannot work any other way. Everything else is dead religion, but that which is of faith. It says over and over and over in the Word of God, only the just shall live by faith. And when you make a decision, I'm going to hear I'm going to speak, and I'm going to act on the Word of God. You have found about 99% of the will of God for your life. Everything else is going to be academic. Because as long as you hear, speak, and obey, you will always find the rams. You will always find the swords. You will always. Some of you right now don't realize there's rams and swords all over the place just looking for you, just looking for you, just waiting for you to obey God. And when you do, God will bless you. Amen? Hallelujah. Put up your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we glorify you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Tonight, Heavenly Father, let these words be sealed in our spirit as we prepare as individuals, as we prepare as families, as we prepare as a church to obey you by faith. Thank you, Father, that faith pleases you. Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Father, we leave tonight confessing, believing, acting on our covenant of protection and safety. Thanking you, Heavenly Father, there shall no evil befall us. Neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. Rejoicing that you, Lord, give angels charge over us. Therefore, as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113 We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas And remember to keep looking unto Jesus He is the author and the finisher of our faith